Hello, and welcome to Middle Grade Book Party. I'm Heather Clark. And I'm Cheryl Caldwell. We're two middle grade authors. Exploring writing craft. Highlighting author journeys. And celebrating good books. Alyssa Wishingrad once had a whole different career working in theater, TV, and film. But nothing could be better or more exciting than writing stories and crafting worlds for middle grade readers. 8- to 12-year-olds are truly some of the smartest, most open and inquisitive people around, and Alyssa is dedicated to helping them hold on to that magic as they grow up. When she's not writing, she's probably out walking her two very demanding rescue dogs who came all the way from Alexandria, Egypt to share their shedding fur and love. Or she might be trying to figure out what to make for dinner again for her family. But if she's very lucky, she's out at the theater getting lost in a wonderful story. Her debut novel, The Verdigree Pond, was published by HarperCollins in July of 2021. Welcome, Melissa. We are so excited to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. We're glad you're here. So, what a pleasure. What a joy to be here. Let's start by having you tell us a little bit about the premise of The Verdigree Pond. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so, The Verdigree Pond is the story of Bo. Bo is a 13-year-old boy who has been born heir to the incredibly despotic leader of this land, a man so fearsome, people only dare call him himself. So Bo has been raised very isolated and alone. He knows really very little about what goes on outside of the manor walls, outside of his house, outside of his rooms, uh, until one day when he meets a young servant girl named Cressy. And Cressy shows Bo some very hard and incredibly difficult truths about life in the land. That sets him off on a journey, an adventure, to go and try and find somebody who can help, somebody who can help make a difference in the land for the people who live there. Along the way, he meets and teams up with Nate, who's a runaway from the Mastery House, and together they discover that not everyone and everything is as it seems, and that power can come from the most unlikely places. There are some not-so-subtle political commentaries that one could take from your story, and specifically with Cressy and Bo. And she keeps saying, like, you're the heir. You're the one who's privileged and is going to benefit from all of this. How can you not know what has gone on in society? And you have a very strong theme of history um, in this book, specifically at the at the end of the book, one of your characters uh, begins a history that's going to talk to different people about their perspectives and experiences. And um, I just wondered if you'd talk a little bit about that theme in the book. I think it's really strong, and I think it's really important for our our middle grade readers to to know about altering alternate perspectives of history and and making sure that they understand. Yeah, I mean, there's the old. Um, adage that history is written by the victors, and it is. In my world, it's taken almost to an absurd, um, you know, it's 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 done almost absurdly in that, <laughs> you know, the manor has written themselves as the hero of every encounter, you know, that they were completely, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you couldn't defeat them if you tried, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the the a really important theme for me in this book is looking for truth, trying to scratch it out, and also knowing that if you weren't there, right, mm-hmm. all we have is somebody's biased opinion. No matter what side you are on, there is 
it's not bias, but it's your point of view. We only have, we can only know history through people's points of view. So the, impor- right. the only thing that we can do in order to come close to an accurate history is mm-hmm. to read as many different points of view as we can and to read widely and to consider, uh, even if we have a bias against somebody else's point of view, consider it, weave it into the bigger fabric and try and come up with something that makes sense and considers all sides. Well, and I think you did that really well to layer your characters because you have characters who have chosen to approach their position in history in this world that you've built in different ways. And a lot of them are, you know, you could consider them to be good people, but also self-interested people and also people with their own point of view. And I think that you did that really well and you showed those characters a lot yeah. of respect. Yeah. And you had you had a line um, I remember uh, that uh, actually spoke about that, and it was at the end of when he's talking about the writing the histories, I believe, and he says, "Time distorts all truths." And wow, isn't yeah, that true? It does, right? Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no matter how clean of a record we try and leave behind, uh, the readers are also going to distort it. <laughs> you know, they're right. going to take from it what right. they want to take from it or what their own biases. But I I also wanted to touch on something else that you talked about, Heather, which is um, Bo, you know, to the reader, to everybody else, Bo lives with every imaginable privilege that you could imagine in this world. And yet he perceives himself as, you know, very Mm. uh, unfortunate, right? He has, there's no love, there's no companionship. Uh, his days are, are, are spent studying. The only joy he has is writing. So, And he's studying a brainwashed version of history, too, which is, right? He, he's not wrong that he has also suffered. <laughs> no, he's not wrong. But he's it's a little too focused on his own suffering, he right? Because he is. doesn't realize that other people have far bigger problems than he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that for the majority of us, there we always have to sort of take a step back on 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 our our own what we perceive as as um as our problems, right? Our or problems, as our hindrances. Yeah. And look at the bigger picture. Because That's everybody right. does have a role that they can play. And um and I and I wanted to drive that home for for middle grade readers that even if you feel voiceless um Mm -hmm. you actually have a voice there's a way that you can that you can find and access your voice yes so you had me hooked in chapter one with the relationship between Bo and his father i was deeply intrigued from very first moments with the game of fist and how Bo would be the pawn to displace his father and i thought that was really great how you gave me kind of right up front like this is the game the game, you know, and the bow was given. This is the game. The pawn, who are, you know, who, the pawn must displace the king. It's the only mm-hmm. way to win. So can you tell us a little bit about how the game worked in the novel to guide your characters? Uh, yeah, I mean, the game is an allegory for what happens. And some of the pieces in the game are allegories for some of the characters. And I, I, I hope that as readers are reading, they're trying to figure out who's the, who's the, I think it's obvious to everyone from the beginning, except for to Bo, that he's the pawn, but who's mm-hmm. the mage and who's the ace. And, 
and what roles will they play in bringing down himself right, in the right. manner? Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun to string to get to uh, to work through, and I'll just let you all know that soon, 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 I'm going to have a very fist-like surprise for readers available oh. on my on my website. So. Oh, I like that. Woo-hoo! I like that. Yeah. 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 And with the game and with many of the names, um, there's a lot of play on words there, or at least I felt like there, there were. Mm. I do. I, I love finding names that have hidden meanings. I mean, Bo's not that hidden. He's boy, and that's meant to, well, Bo, Bo means boy, rather. Right. And it's just meant to be sort of a leveler, you know, Um that he is just a boy. He's not somebody born and endowed with anything special. Um, Cressy's name, Cressida. Um, mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. remember the Troilus and Cressida, Cressida is actually uh, a heroine who deserted her Trojan lover for, for a Greek lover. Um, she's not that well thought of in history. Um, but Cressy, my Cressy was named after... Uh, somebody from the wars between the war between the manor and the bottom. And so that name fits the Cressy for whom she was named a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, Even like the mayor in the, in the middle, in the upper middle lands, Wooliver, it's a wool merchant, you know, Mm -hmm. he made his money. So yes, I have a lot of fun looking for names that are endowed with some hidden meaning sometimes. Yeah. I love that. Love that. So this novel had a lot of different moving pieces. Did it go through a lot of revision? Did initial drafts look much like the finished product? <laughs> it went through a <laughs> lot of drafts. Actually, interesting story about this book is that the version that I sold to my amazing, brilliant editors was very different. Um, I had a third POV really? character who was an adult. Um, Fledge was a very different character. There was yet another person that was sort of after Bo. There's a lot of people in this book who are all converging uh, and are coming after Bo, but there was yet another. Um, The arc of the story was Mm. always the same. But um, after a conversation with my editors and talking about what we wanted the book to do, I realized really the only way to do this over was to take the whole 368 pages I say this all the time ball them up into a giant white ball of paper throw it over my shoulder and start from scratch (laughs) um so yeah so I rewrote the entire novel and actually luckily maybe it was meant to be I sold in 2018 it was meant to be a 2020 debut but it took me longer to rewrite and so it got pushed to 21 so yeah so I rewrote the and restructured the entire thing so as you talk about those revisions what is your writing process what does it look like um it usually starts with an idea with just a picture or 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 a, a character or a problem this book actually came from a writing prompt workshop that I was doing the prompt was tisk tisk poor little boy Oh, and I, great. you know, the workshop was like, here's a, here's a, here's a prompt to write for 20 minutes. And um, I saw this kid being raised in this manor house on the hill and I started writing. And what was most interesting was in that 20 minutes, it kind of like hooked into this voice I hadn't written in before. And uh, it just ignited something. And, and so I, 
took that and ran with it. And it, it took me quite a while to build the world of this book. Um, so I will always uh, I start with either a world or a problem or a character, and then I start building the world and the problem. I'm, I need to think out and tell myself the story of the story mm. before I can start writing. And then inevitably the story of the story changes. But what doesn't usually change is the general arc where my main character is going to start and where they're going to end and what the sort of trick to the tale is. Right. That's awesome. Right. Well, would you mind sharing with us what your writing journey has been like? As you said that uh, you're long. You start long. long. <laughs> Um, I yeah. yeah, that's wildly comforting. That is wildly comforting to us and to our listeners. So tell us all about it. <laughs> it's very long. And I'll also tell your listeners, you know, I'm not like a woman in my 30s. I'm not a woman in my 40s. I am. Um, I started my, you know, after college, I was going to be a playwright. I moved to New York City. I got involved with an amazing theater company. Um, and I was going to write plays. But I was very um, results-oriented as a writer. I'd write something, and I'd be like, look what I did. And I, I didn't have the, the patience yet to really do the heart, the real work of writing, which is, as we know, is revising. Um, so I let myself be sort of taken along on this other path, this other career that I did for 15 years as a casting director. Uh, and then I had my kids, and I moved to the country, and it was very quiet and boring. And... Um, <laughs> I had no choice but to come back to this career that I had, frankly, run away from. I knew I wasn't ready or mature enough to write. And, um, and I, so I started writing, and I wrote this uh, a book, not this one. I wrote something else. It was very, um, very much a middle-grade fantasy. It took me about five years. Uh, it was, uh, I took it out on query. It, I didn't find an, an, uh, an agent for it. I wound up hiring a uh, independent editor who at the time I thought just ripped me stem to stern <laughs> in a good way. And um, I could not deal with, I, I knew she was right. I knew her notes were right, but I couldn't deal. So I put it away in the drawer. And very soon after that's when this book came to me. And like I said, it was a, it was a new voice. Um, I must've spent about another four years on Pawn. Um, I was very fortunate to, this time around, work with um, some brilliant writers up at the Highlights Foundation, um, which I can't recommend the Highlights Foundation enough once we come out of this. Uh, and so I was very, very lucky to find some brilliant mentors who uh, really helped me hone my craft. In the in the long of things, I think it was about four or five months out on Query before I mm -hmm. um, signed with my amazing agent, Victoria Marini. Mm. So, 10 years, right? <laughs> and, the, and then and what then, did the, the sub process? Oh, yeah, exactly. So, I think so that was 2017, and then I mm -hmm. did two revisions with Victoria, and we sold the book in July of 2018. And it came out July of 21. That is a <laughs> long journey. That is a long haul. I'm right there you. with you. <laughs> so what about this first one that yeah. you did, the the one that took you five years, that, the other middle grade fantasy that you shelved? Is that something you think you may ever pull back out? Uh, it may come out in a different form. It's, okay. it's not... I, 
it would be foolish for me to say like I have a brand. Of course, I don't have a brand, but it doesn't. It's not. It's nothing like Pawn. Uh, but so it may come. It may yet come back out in a very different form. Maybe in in more of an. Uh, a younger middle grade chapter book form. I want to go back for a moment um, in, in the process after submission. So you've submitted, it's been acquired, you're working with your editor, you've done your several revisions, and now it's time for your your galleys. Mm-hmm. I, I, is, is that what what your publisher called them? They call them galleys, your, basically your final proof? Yeah, they, they called them it's funny. There's very many different terms. They, they, my are. editor called them bound galleys. Um, we call them, okay. I call them ARCs, okay. other people call them ARCs. Um, but okay. I was lucky in the teeth of the pandemic to get printed nice. uh, ARCs, okay. which was bound galleys, which is amazing. Um, but, well, at that point, how much, how much input do you still have if you wanted to change things? So what happened with, for me and it, and it, it's different for uh, house to house and from editor to editor. But what happened with us was we did two rounds, two rounds of line edits, a round of copy edits that went to print mm-hmm. as the bound galleys, which okay. is frustrating because I then did three rounds of past pages where you have uh, continuing three is a lot. Yeah. I know that there, but one is not really enough either. Uh, where I and editors, there, every time I looked at my past pages, new set of past pages, there were different editors on there. There was always the same copy editor, but there were different editors looking for different things. Uh, you get to go back through and clean and clean. And every successive round, you, you're allowed to do less and less. So mm-hmm. the, what's in the book is very yeah. different than the arc. But it was also a, a good exercise in not overthinking. Mm -hmm. So the way I do past pages is I go, I read through the notes first Mm -hmm. and then I read the book, Mm -hmm. which, you know, it's like the 856th time you're reading the book and you (laughs) kind of don't want to read your own words again. I actually actively hated my book by the time I finished that final read. I was like, I don't want to see this thing again. (laughs) I've enjoyed it all these other times. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's important, though, to sort of buckle down mm-hmm. and try and take that step back yep. because y- you will find things yep. to love yes. new and certain things that uh, you just have to go. But like I said, so I, w- I would read the notes first, then I would go through, I'd, do, I'd ask for all these changes, and then I would go through a third time and look at the changes and nine times out of ten, the changes I had asked for weren't necessary. They could Interesting. go. Interesting. Yeah. So it taught me a lot about reading my own work. Well, that's awesome. Right. So what's the best mm-hmm. writing tip that you can offer to our listeners from all your experience on this long journey? <laughs> don't be afraid to chuck. Don't don't get attached. Don't get afraid to take class yeah. yeah. or an entire draft and throw them out. Um the most, it's not about a beautiful line. When I was rewriting the book from scratch, Mm -hmm. I thought when I went in, I was like, oh, I'll be able to take certain chapters and pop them back in and certainly uh, paragraphs and pages. And it didn't work. It was, it looked like a Frankenstein's monster. It, it lacked that 
flow yes. and that kind of beauty. And what I had thought was such a beautiful line and couldn't possibly go away, just sat there like a lead balloon. Uh, so that's right. my mm. my thing is don't be afraid to to chuck. And I know that there are brilliant writers. Uh, I think Katie Camilla does the same thing. She writes a book, throws it out, gets you know uses that to get to know her world, and then writes it in anew. And and I from my experience, those lines, those moments, those emotions, those beats that you were so attached to, they sometimes have a way of coming back, but in a surprising way, and sometimes they belong mm-hmm. to a, a different character um, or mm-hmm. in a different mm-hmm. place. So um, you just mentioned, Kate, are there any novels that have inspired you along your, your journey? Oh, yeah. There's, there, well, there's, a, there's so many writers who inspire me. Um, Frances Harding, is she's a British writer. I love her. And her book, The Lie Tree, is, I, you know, easily my favorite book ever. Um, Franny Billingsley is also somebody who's incredibly inspiring to me. Uh, Anne Ursu, Charles Dickens, his his world building is and his characters are you know par none, and I take a lot of inspiration from him. Um, Brian Selznick, uh, the Hugo Cabre, and um. I always forget the title of my very favorite one. Oh, the um, the Marvels. Um, it's just just gorgeous, Wonderful. giant world building. Um, I will say though that Lori Hulse Anderson, I really used her as a mentor for developing inner emotional life. Mm. Mm-hmm. My copies of Chains and Ashes and all of those uh, books on, on Fever, all of her books are just rife with. Uh, highlights. She just has this gorgeous ability yes. to bring that inner emotional moment immediately onto the page. Oh, uh, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, I love this. And I, I appreciate you telling us uh, also what you're getting out of each of the books mm. as well. So yeah, that is yeah. great for our listeners. And we definitely will have all these in the show okay. notes so that yeah. our listeners can go click through and read. Thank you for joining us today, Alyssa. Thank you. Thanks for letting us read your wonderful book. We really did enjoy the opportunity to do that. And good luck with the with the rest of your journey and with your debut. Uh, listeners, don't Thank miss Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. And I look forward to your books as well. And that wraps up today's book party. Hey, book partiers, thank you so much for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to this podcast and come say hi to us at MG Book Party on Twitter and individually at H. Clark Writes and at Cheryl Caldwell. To check out all the links mentioned in this book party and for links to our guest social media, head on over to mgbookparty.com for the show notes. And don't forget to leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts.